0: Good morning, everyone. You have tuned in once again to the anime Weeaboo Corner. I'm your boy. The name is Best Boy. And today, we're here to talk about anime once again. I know it's been a long time. You've been awaiting this. But I, I, I tell you, fear not. Fear not, for I have returned to give you the goodies. There are no baddies on this list. There is only the good shit. Okay, so there's a big thing that I want to bring up about uh, the, uh, the uh, two weeks ago uh, and that about that podcast and that that point system fucking sucked. So let's just talk about anime, dude. Like, I, of course, we love the beach episodes. We love the plot, and that's exactly why we're gonna jump in heavy right now. So the hardest thing about High School DxD to understand is that. This is more than just trash. Issei's truest intentions put him easily in SSJ, SS plus tier in best boy list, as his main goal is to achieve a whole harem of girls around him to bend to his every whim while he stays completely polygamous with every single one of them. But this isn't just strange intentions, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the pinnacle of degeneracy, as Issei will never rest, he will not cease the quest for power until he has the girls at his feet, every pair of exposed titty saved in the spank bank, every pair of breasticles, every- every pair of what? There, there's demons in this? Issei fucking dies in the first episode and he's reincarnated as a slight- uh, as a demon and he's given the the biggest realisation that if he becomes strong enough, he too could achieve his own harem. Equipped and blessed with the sacred gear of the Red Dragon Emperor, Issei is so easily one of the most inspiring characters. To his drive and his passion for anime teas, Issei truly ascends Trash as a best boy. This man is the king of the dumpster pile, a large, (laughs) large stinking castle of toilet fires and this man stands top as the supreme motorboat champion it's oh lord the plot of this show is actually set in regular arse japan where demons are just chilling but angels and exorcists roam the place just killing demons and sometimes the humans that summon them so how on earth do you make the good guy out of the demon easy so easy you make the good guys the bad guys, and now the bad guys are the good guys for not doing the head arsery that the good guys do. Are you still on my level? Are we on the same page? Okay. Turn to page 56 and go to paragraph 4 and I'm on, the, I'm on the fifth line, I promise. So what I'm saying is the exorcists are meant to be the good guys but do the bad things, but the demons are meant to be the insta-baddies that don't do the dumb shit and are therefore classified as the good guys. So. Yeah, makes perfect sense, dog. You following? Cool, cool. In a show like this, it's it's kind of hard to choose Best Girl, but ultimately, I will have to succumb to my primal desires and pick Rias of House Gremory, and of course, second place runner-up, is so quickly Asia of the Holy Church. But this isn't about best who Best Girl is, as Best Girl will always be Akinoh, as that long, beautiful hair, that smile... No, 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 I, I'm devoted to Rias. I'm devoted to... Oh lord. Watch High School DxD. There is titties. There is exposed anime nipples. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all, my man. Have you ever fallen in love with someone who questionably doesn't know what love is and yet draws and creates magnificent stories about it on a regular basis? Are you a girl who honestly just... Who will honestly just hang out with the man that she loves just to simply get a chance to confess her undying love for him and maybe even become a bigger part of her life? If you're not, you don't have to be to find some amount of relatability in Gekan Shoujo Nozaki-kun, or Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. So, um, Nozaki is a 16-year-old artist in high school drawing a manga about uh, named Monthly Girls about a high school romance based on everything he sees around the school that he goes to. And throughout the series, we meet a variety of base influences for his manga characters through the eye of Chiyo, a girl who wants to confess her love to the greatest boy of the series, we go through the process of drawing manga through these eyes, the art of the influencers, and even the stress of deadlines, but not in the same way that, um, uh, assist is all you need, does it? So that's fun. It takes a good turn on responsibility, having Nozaki actually go out of his way to work and be devoid of love and anything that hinders his workflow, but Chiyo, on the other hand... <sighs> okay, let's just listen to how many times Chiyo says my man's name in high speed and that's only the sub so at the end of the day this is about a girl in love with a boy who ultimately maybe probably never love her back ever and we do feel this sometimes as it's heavily shown to us through various scenes of Chio wondering if all she wants is to be a third wheel to Nozaki and his work, a boy in love with his work and a girl wanting him to see how much she wants to be a part of that, and the music in the show truly gives off that feeling of love regardless of the atmosphere, as it's always from perspective. We are always given the feeling of love no matter where we go. Chiyo always has Nozaki in her heart and that is pretty simply, pretty pretty simpy even, but it's still very nice. It's it's still very cool. Magic comes in so many shapes and forms, but never did I expect magic to come from an overly cautious Japanese man who just so happens to be the strongest character in the damn world. Cautious Hero, the hero is overpowered but extremely cautious, is fucking hilarious. (laughs) It's about Seiya, a man who has been summoned to the divine realm to become the hero that battles the demon lord and saves the... We've heard this before. Unfortunately, this is as base level as isekai goes, with the most basic plot, the only exception being that the hero is cynical and aggressively and hilariously cautious, So no matter what amount of prepared he is, he'll always stay back for a week or so for some extra training, and will never truly be ready until he says his signature catchphrase, I am perfectly perfectly prepared. prepared. I I am 100% 100 ready ready for this. This this kind of cynicism hasn't really been seen by human eyes. (laughs) The goddess Ristorante... Ristorante? That's like French for restaurant. Yeah, that's her name. Ristorante. I think it's Ristorate. Ristorate? Fuck, man. Ristorante is the name. And it's about, she's about the same as the Goddess Lady Aqua, and upon review of this, I'm finding a funny amount of similarities between this and Konosuba. Obviously, it's not the same show, but definitely something hilarious and individual, despite not having much that stands out in the large ocean of isekai we already have. So ultimately, I did have an amazing time watching this, and I'd recommend this to anyone who enjoyed Konosuba as well. There are a couple companions, but ultimately, they are kinda trash. Oh, this story is about Saya, who is a one-man army capable of destroying the entire world from how cautious the man is. From day one, he hoarding everything, plus extra duplicates, and he does this throughout the entire R series. Obviously, this kind of show isn't going to be for everyone, but I go out of my way to say that it's at least worth the first three episodes, so let's get a taste. Feel for how the story plays and how the characters interact. The humor is so fluid; it, it really unfolds throughout the story, and it's it's such a hilarious, well-written comedy isekai. Very well recommended. Soundtrack by Ken Arai, also composed, who also composed the OST for Japanese hospital drama Last Hope, and my personal favorite anime of all time. Penguin the Big City. Ken Arai doesn't hesitate to send the scene, the mood, and the upcoming feel of the episode coming. Every episode of Parasite, the Maxim, is an absolute roller coaster. It forces you up and down these ridiculous trials and tribulations that we wouldn't even wanna be in ourselves, honestly. But where do I start? <laughs> we live in modern Japan, and Shinichi is a dude who goes to sleep with earphones in. Cool man, standard anime boy. Possibly best boy, hmm? But definitely average to the most holiest decree. Just some random night, no particular night at all. Alien spores just so happen to come down to Earth and implant themselves in people's brains through their earholes when no one's looking in the dead of the night while everyone's sleeping. Through their earholes. Huh? 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 You see where I'm coming from? She thinks she's perfectly fine. <laughs> Thank goodness, the spore can't go into his ear because he's wearing earphones and, uh, okay, so it's trying to go into his nose, but, but, but he sneezed, so it's, it's perfectly, uh, 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 oh, oh, oh god, oh damn. Okay, so Shinichi has a ro- uh, an alien spore in his hand, not a robot, an alien spore in his hand, and it's got like control of his hand, and it's sentient, and it's called Migi. And Migi is truly the companion that every single alpha chad needs. Being the cynical, realistic, non-human, making rational decisions that lack humanity, it's it's something I've definitely never seen, (laughs) not once. Watching the compromise between the alien rationality and the human morality makes a lot for uh, a lot of interesting compromises when the moral side has the legs and ultimately wears the pants in the relationship. Is this, has, has anyone said that before? That's Oh, damn. Although Migi is an alien in control of Guy Shinichi's hand, it possesses incredible intelligence from researching every single damn thing in the world via the internet, which confirms that Hentai Haven does exist in this universe, and Migi has seen every single megabyte of Ria's hentai, which is fantastic. This makes Miggy the Batman of every situation and ultimately forces him to be the smartest person in the room, which is easily countered by the fact that hand sleeps most of the day. So Parasite isn't a show that you've ever seen before. A show full of terrifying monstrosities that and demonic horrors that will have you wide-eyed screaming in either happiness or sheer terror, cause this show had me mad fucked up dog. <laughs> it, had me, it had me howling, this madness. It's a show about change and the drive to win right after the metamorphosis overcoming death itself. This is about a man who has to adapt from being this shy, nervous beta cuck to into this emotionless alpha chad. It's truly a road trip that I'd never expected myself to get so engrossed in. Truly an absolute phenomenon. Now, I've never been a great home runner for magical girls but Puela, Maggie, Madoka Magica really fucking threw it out of the park a thousand times easy. From that first episode, we are greeted with this beautiful slice of life scenery, with this yearning for adventure and something more, huh, maybe. Madoka is, or Madoka, is called upon by a fish cat squirrel called Kyubey, and is asked the big responsibility-filled question of whether or not she has a wish that she would have granted in exchange for becoming a magical girl, a wish so powerful she is willing to die to make it happen. This isn't the story of uh, Madoka becoming a magical girl but the story in her decision and the people who have suffered it around her, as in episode 3 a 15 year old girl's head is fucking bitten off by a huge snake monster girl who everyone considers a witch and she just fucking dies so okay i this isn't what i signed up for but here we are enjoying a little bit of madica magica having a great time now the lore runs deep very deep in fact magical girls are the seed to witches clouded by the negative energies of uh, sayaka fans who truly believe her to be best girl after the clouding, the magical girl becomes a labyrinth of her feelings, manifested into something you could only imagine is if Fantasia got a live-action Netflix adaptation. As if someone took uh, magazines written by people on LSD, uh, took those prints through an LSD image converter three, four times, and then said, yep, that's it, and uh, put it in post, cut it all up, printed it and put it in every single place they could. It's a chaotic battlefield. It's it, it really kind of expresses the the amount of chaos and the amount of mayhem in the girls' hearts that truly uh, it, it doesn't only set the scene, it also sets the emotion and it, it really through these labyrinths you really see the backstories of how these characters were feeling that they weren't actually expressing through what they were actually saying, that they, they, they be, they be mad, reclusive, dog. They be out here, not even talking about their feelings with their friends, bro. What, what you want me to say? I'm sorry. <laughs> I ultimately fuck with it. The way the scenery changes from the regular screen to the cinematic view when the mood switches up is truly something I've never seen done so flawlessly. You couldn't be mad at these girls for feeling the way that they do after hearing exactly what's behind the scenes you truly realise that being a magical girl isn't as amazing as it's shown out to be. It's better. It's amazing. It's awesome. I want to be a magical girl. What? I've seen the twin tails. Duh. Give it. Please. Come on. Cube is an adorable little marshmallow with absolutely nothing suspicious about it from the very beginning. This show is so inspiring, from the characters, the plot designs, the 12 episodes inspired a culture of men who will always see best girl as Kyoko, no matter what, Kyoko was always best girl from the very beginning. Ultimately, this show needs no beach episodes or plot in the titty area because the girls are 14, so I'm sorry, the beach episode was inside our hearts all along. The best thing about this series is that you could go the entire series on Netflix completely oblivious to the fact that there's an entire two movies, two hours long, each dedicated to the plot of the entire show without having to skip to the next episode. What the heck? Why did no one talk about this? <laughs> there's also a third movie that is a continuation of The Madness, so sit back, put on some M- Madica Magica. <laughs> Have a great time with the family, dude. Invite them over. Bring your lost, long-lost relatives from distant countries over and sit them down and say, watch this, and I guarantee they will love you forever. Probably. Honestly, don't take my word. So, here we are. At the end of the episode, I apologise that it wasn't as long as the previous episode. I am currently experimenting to see uh, how long or how watchable the episode is with shorter time than it is with a longer time, as the previous episode was like 42 minutes. I'm definitely happy to go back to the point system. I believe I, realistically, all I gotta do is be a little bit more fair to isekais, as honestly, Monster Musumune is obviously, clearly a masterpiece. I mean, <laughs> so, um, what was your favourite part of the episode? I really enjoyed that bit too. My favorite part of the episode was um, when I talked about Rias. <sighs> Lord, how can I forget Rias? I never. I am gonna watch the rest of the High School DXD series. It sounds like a fucking roller coaster. Until then, my name is Best Boy. This is the Anime Corner, and uh, get the hell out my corner. Bye.